Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam Jones, joined by Chris Beasley, Gav Buckland and Connor O'Neill, where we've just heard from Rafa Benitez for the first time in his first Everton press conference. And uh, obviously, the new manager has talked talked a lot about potential transfers, his aims for the season, uh, and lots more. So we'll get the lads' thoughts on that. But, of course, it's not only Rafa Benitez that we have to talk about this week in terms of Everton news. Uh, we've got an, a little bit of an impromptu pre-season friendly at Finch Farm uh, to discuss on Saturday as Everton played Accrington Stanley. And of course, we've got to give a mention to Everton's involvement in the Euro 2020 final as well. In particular, Jordan Pickford's almost heroic performance on that day. But Chris, we'll, uh, we'll come back around to today's news. Rafa Benitez's first press conference. We were all tuning in. A half yeah. one this afternoon, well, just a couple of minutes before half one, actually. He yeah, he was very prompt, quickly. wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I know it's I know it's a little bit different over Zoom. But how do you mm-hmm. how do you think that your manager came across? Yeah, like like you said, it's sort of uh, totally different than uh, Carlo. Definitely keep us waiting for a few minutes um, last season. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what he wanted to do. Get all like the tough questions out the way before anyone was watching. But no. Um, <laughs> It was interesting what he didn't say. What he said on the one hand, like you know, he always he talks well, doesn't he? He's a very experienced manager, and that's probably one of the main reasons why he's in, he's in the job, seen as being a safe a safe pair of hands who knows the territory. But I thought it was telling. We've just been having a little chat now before we went on air about um, what he didn't say. I mean, he batted off all the stuff about the the Liverpool connections in the sort of the manner you would expect. Um, sort of playing it all down and, you know, quite rightly stating about how he's lived in the area now for, I think, now on 17 years. So he's obviously got friends and, you know, are both Reds and Blues, no matter what his past connections were with Anfield. But, yeah, it was interesting what he didn't say in that, you know, he, you know, he, he was he was asked about James Rodriguez and was was non-committal. You know, he, did, he certainly didn't write it off, but, you know, he he left, he left it open. And even, like we said, about the... Um, the position of Seamus Coleman as captain, I mean, that's not a particularly controversial call, you would think. But I guess he, he while being very nice about Seamus and saying lots of good things about him, he was non-committal on that as well. So it seems that there is um, a lot to still assess in the, in the... I mean, it's a month today, isn't it, when the Premier League season kicks off? So, um, yeah, 14th of August, got a month to go. And there's still probably uh, a lot that could, could happen there. He wasn't giving uh, much away. Mm. What did you make of it, Gav? Did you agree that he wasn't given much away? I think he was he was quite positive in his manner yeah. at the very least. But he was very, as B says, he was he was pretty non-committal on a few issues, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I thought he played everything with the straightest of the bats, to be honest with you. He yeah. was um he used to phrase my team a couple of times, didn't he? Which mm-hmm. I thought was uh, was good. Uh, my club. Um always goes down well at welcome press conference. I thought I thought it was 
the fascinating one, which you may want to talk about, maybe on the detour of anyway, was where I think we were talking about winning mentality and he said he spoke to some of the senior players and he said there was something missing. Mm-hmm. You know when Chris you say about like the stuff he didn't say? Well, mm. he didn't then elaborate on that, did he? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he didn't want to, I suppose, and was not, you know, and I, I would be... Have me have me ideas about what those bits and pieces are, but I, I thought that was um, that was interesting. I thought that Rodrigo's question was interesting. There's hardly a day. <laughs> stay, stay, please, have stay. Um, <laughs> I thought the Coleman one was interesting. I thought he battered off the Liverpool connection really well. Uh, to be honest with you, um, he spoke about the the um, process things. Yeah, he was asked about three questions about that, wasn't he? I think. Uh, the Liverpool connection. Uh, he said he said a good analogy with Chelsea, didn't he? Where he said when I went went for food down at Chelsea, was you know Chelsea fans were thanking me and saying nice things to me. So it just shows you that sometimes what what happens on social media is not necessarily the reflection of the real world. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good, very um, very vicious. He spoke about restrictions of FFP, apps, transfer activity. Um, but the one thing I think about was that senior players have been missing, you know, have a few things missing, you know, in the past. I've been certain to see what they are and how he's going to rectify that. Mm. And Connor, of course, I think we were all expecting a few questions on those banners at Goodison Park and the one near his home to come up. But I think he uh, he dealt with those questions very well, didn't he? He was, he was very clear that they, they never came close to changing his mind. And I think that's probably... It's probably a positive thing, isn't it, for a, for a new manager to come in and say? Yeah, it is. And if I'm being honest, I kind of expected him to say that. And I expected the kind of the, the polished performance we, we've seen from him today because he's got experience of being in this situation before. I mean, you think of when he you know, took the Chelsea job, he was getting asked similar questions then about you know the, the fan backlash, people not being impressed. So it's not like you think he was, it's not as though he was walking into a kind of world where he, he probably wasn't braced for. I think he was braced for everything that was going to be going to be thrown in him and I think let's face it as well I think you know when he's he's gone for the job and when he's had talks about the job and when it's become clear he's probably he's going to get the job he wouldn't know what was coming and he wouldn't know what was going to be asked of him you know he's, he's not well he's, he's not he doesn't seem a, a very he's not a naive type of guy Rafa is he I think he's very he's very thoughtful he thinks long and hard and he's a deep thinker and I think although he, he said the right things I think he would have been expecting a lot of them and I think he, he gave the perfect answers because like I say he's got experience in in how to approach these situations and, and how to, you know, gauge the, the moves of the room and moves the, the fan base. And, you know, I think it's interesting because I think in some respects, then banners in, in many respects kind of gave him a little bit more, almost kind of sympathy in, in many respects. I think, you know, you think before then, then banners appeared, you know, there, there was a strong outrage on, on social media from fans. But then when you see that type of stuff and, you know, at the end of the day, he's just a, he's a human, the guy's human with a family living just doing the job i think they kind of you know people have more sympathy for him and, and almost more expect acceptance for what he was going to be doing and, and what he is, he is he's going to be doing now moving forward as, as ever manager mm-hmm. i mean b is one of the other big issues as you've mm-hmm. already mentioned was the future of james rodriguez and yeah. when he was asked about the future of james he kind of said i don't think it'd be fair to talk about individuals or want to yeah. talk about the team as a whole right now which you know sidestepping question a little bit but how much do Everton fans read into that of course as Connor said there you know Benitez has been in this position before he will have known that this James Rodriguez question 
would have come up. So he's probably prepared that answer beforehand, hasn't he? How much how much the Everton yeah. fans really read to the fact that he was a bit non-committal? Yeah, well, it wasn't entirely convincing, was it? I'd, I'd have thought maybe if you'd have asked him about Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin, he'd have come out um, a bit more forthright in um, what he'd have said. Because you think if somebody's going to be integral in your plans, you say, yeah, you'd talk them up, wouldn't you? You'd say, what a, you know, a great player they are, what a, ta- a talent they are and the importance of the squad, whereas when he was asked that, he said he didn't want to mention individuals and that... Um, that it was it was a team game. Uh, we know in the past they have worked together, same way that Carlo Ancelotti's worked together. But whereas Carlo Ancelotti signed him on three occasions, it seems that their previous relationship wasn't necessarily um, the, the the most fruitful. So that they, you know they they do have history. That needn't mean that they they can't work well together at Everton. But I just think given the the answer that he gave, it is um, it does leave you concerned that. Um, Hammers might not be yet at the club when the transfer window closes. We've also mentioned Everton got this um, pre-season game coming up against Colombian opposition as well. I mean, it would seem rather silly to to get rid of him before then, but whether he's still going to be there um, come come September, you, you, you've got to um, have your have your doubts because I think whether it was Rafa who came in or if it was anybody else, just. From when Carlo Ancelotti left the club, given that he's been so close with Hammers and, like I said, he brought him to three different clubs now, whoever came in, whether it was Rafa or somebody else, I think we would have those question marks. And I, and I, I definitely think they remain now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gav, if you were putting yourself in Hammers Rodriguez's shoes, listening to those comments from Carlo Ancelotti, what would you have been? What would you have been thinking? Can I have 150 grand a week, yeah, please? Uh, that'd be <laughs> nice. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I, uh, I I don't doesn't say much. I would have, I think probably had conversations, wouldn't you? You would imagine. Um, mm. So I think he probably knows. You know, I, I would imagine that that would probably want to be the first things and beneath us as inside, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, and uh, I don't think that it changes anything really. I still think that he'll be gone. By the end of the, the transfer window, as, as Chris has just said, um, I think they probably know the bad discussions already, and um, I think they'll just get that event, just the mood music you're getting around the Mr. Rodriguez, really. Um, that, that, you know, that, like, he, he seems to be doing all the right things in you know all the training pictures that we've seen, and you know, he was involved in that friendly that we're going to discuss a little bit later yeah. on. Like, he, yeah, he seems true. to be doing yeah. the right things in that sense. Yeah, but they're easy, aren't they? That's right. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, it's, it's the way they'll be living today, isn't it? The, the, the harder stuff is uh, done behind closed doors, and uh, I suspect that he'll he'll, he'll, he'll leave. Um, just think that, 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 that I said there's been a little bit of previous with and he has, hasn't it, as well? So mm-hmm. um, I won't I won't be surprised, but you don't know, dear. You don't know. Mm. But that'll be my guess. But, but, but going back to your question, I don't think he would have learned anything today from what Benitez said. Mm. I mean, Rodriguez is a big potential outgoing transfer, Connor, but Benitez didn't really talk all that much about incoming transfers either. Like he, He's not in terms of specifics anyway. He did say that he wanted to add quality to the squad. Uh, but again, Everton fans won't have learned all that much from Benitez's comments today on that front, will you? No, and again, I think he was... 
I think he was showing his wise old head there, wasn't he? You don't get too carried away and you don't say too much too soon. Um, I think as, I think the whole incoming transfer thing is, is interesting in many respects in the sense of what Marcel Brands and Rafa's role would have been in, in, in the summer recruitment, you know, who's going to ultimately, you know, have final say, you know, obviously you suspect that there would have been a lot of planning already in place before before Rafa's arrived in terms of the summer, the summer window. So, you know, are the club still going to be going down on them lines? Is it going to be a case of them targets still going to be pursued? Or, you know, is Rafa coming now with a kind of list of who he wants and, you know, are we reevaluating things? So I think in terms of the incoming transfers, it's it's one of them things where you, you, you're almost waiting with excitement, I think, and, and, and in what's going to come um, to see kind of who, what type of players we sign and, and where they, you know, where they kind of, who's backing them, whether it be Rafa or, or Marcel Brands. But I didn't expect them to, to talk too much on transfers because I think it's still very early days, isn't it? And I think there's a lot, there's probably going to be a lot of talk over the next couple of weeks. Me, you know, just when you think, you know, the cooler bar links are going to, are going to come to a sudden halt now, Carl Ancelotti's finally left. They're still going strong due to his, his Rafa's love of him. So that that's one. But no, I think, I think, There'll be more to come on transfers. I think in the coming weeks, I think you know after the as preseason picks up and Rafa starts to pick, you know his actual start elevens. I think we'll get a, a bit more of an insight in terms of where he sees the club needs strengthening and where who who's kind of overblown and who might be given a second chance because there could be some a couple of wild cards and that's why do everyone's kind of rolled off or, or written off because they've not featured much under Carlo. Could be given a new lease of life now. Rafa's in charge. Hmm. I mean, these in terms of those incoming transfers, mm-hmm. Rafa did talk about uh, financial restrictions quite a couple of times uh, yeah. throughout his press conference. Again, how much do, do Everton fans have to read into that? I think there's there's an understanding that players have to leave the club as well as yeah. as well as come in, but and the club have spent a lot of money recently. But you know, it's it's still still interesting to see him mention financial restrictions quite a couple of times in his opening presser. Yeah, I think. Um... Whether it's financial fair play and the, and the need to actually get players off the book, whether you're required to do that by law or just by sheer practicality, I think that's always going to have been a big thing at Everton this summer. And the the, um, the bloated squad and the you know the number of uh, big earners who aren't necessarily um, at at the forefront of the, of the plans. Whether that was going to be like Carlo Ancelotti or, or again the new the new manager, yeah, we we, we know the. I think we there's a, there's a clear consensus on the areas that do need strengthening first. Uh, the right wing seems to be um, priority number one. You would think. Um, I imagine that was it, it, we heard that it was looking at um, as is um, the modern sort of um, fashion to have a, an, an inverted winger, a left footer who could cut inside from from, from the right wing. Even though Andre Konchelskis was doing that quite a lot, quarter of a century, but ago. But yeah, so that sort of player. And uh, maybe an, another right back, so someone else on the right hand side, uh, depending on um, how, how um, again, Seamus Coleman first, but um, John Joe Kenny was the understudy, wasn't he? And then he went out to loan at Celtic after a previous spell out at Schalke the, the year before. So it seems a couple of figures down the right hand side. And then you're not sure which other areas, whether you need another a midfielder, I mean, a backup strike of a um, Calvert Lewin, another. No, Keeper to strengthen Pickford. Uh, sorry to sort of uh, keep uh, Pickford on his toes. So there are a number of areas, but you'd certainly see that right hand side as being the uh, the priority. But like I said, they, 
you've got to get rid whether whoever comes in then there's got to be players out going um let's uh, just to just turn too many high earners on the box but it's going to be difficult to shift those those kind of players certainly in a um transfer market which where, where the landscape has been totally affected by uh the global pandemic you know players on um lucrative contracts uh, aren't necessarily um just going to go out because the teams aren't going to want to pay the money for them and um, they're not going to want to take the, the pay cut. So it's always been probably harder to actually go and do that than um, us just saying, well, A, B and C are no longer part of the plans because, you know, they'll, they'll just sit tight in those contracts, you fear. Mm. I mean, I suppose, Gav, on the flip side of potential financial regulations that Everton have to stay inside, there's surely a need that now that they've got a new manager, they're going to have to... They're going to have to back them once again in the transfer window, surely, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if you think about it, that would have been one of the key things Billy says would have wanted because, I mean, exactly. given the mind, like the, 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 the criticism he's had, not, not he's had personally, a little bit, you know, the criticism of the appointment that Machiri has had from Evans, of course, as I said the other week, didn't you know, that, that, that's one thing. But as I say, you are restricted a little bit, though, about financial fair play in the Premier League rules. Having said that, there's been some, some in, in the in the margins this week, there's been talk, hasn't it, from UEFA about changing the FFP rules, perhaps, and making them uh, less stringent. So that might may, may be in our favour. But he's got, he's got a bathroom, hasn't he? He's just... Because he's got... This is quite clearly Machiri's appointment, isn't it? So more than probably any other, to, to be honest with you, given it's controversy and stuff. So therefore, he's got to make it work by back on the manager. I mean, Connor Lee Benitez also discussed what he described as a uh, as a complicated process uh, to to bring him to the football club in the first place, but. You know, it, it it very much seemed as if Everton were the ones to hear that he was available, and then contacted him rather than the other way around. According to according to Benitez, I mean, how how interesting do you find comments like that? Yeah, that that is really interesting because I I, I kind of always had a in my mind, you know, maybe, maybe well, I was very naive now, but in my mind, I always kind of thought it was a case of that of you know maybe going to Farah Mashiri and, and the club and kind of. You know, angled himself for an interview for the role type sort of thing, and then look to, you know, put his kind of plans and thoughts to, to the club that way. Um, and I think that I always thought that was maybe how he got the job in terms of, you know, he's, he's been able to get himself an interview, and then he, he simply kind of wowed Farah Mashiri and, and Cole with, with, with where he's got plans and, you know, his kind of his in depth analysis that, you know, he's quite renowned for. So it is interesting that the club have kind of seeked him out. Uh, almost and kind of approached him and, and, and said, Can you know, can can you have a chat? And I think that shows that quite simply, you know, Farad Mashiri was leading the, 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 the charge for the new manager and that, you know, simply nothing was gonna stand in nothing sentimental was gonna stand in the way of who he wanted. It was probably gonna be a, a clear C V kind of interview based appointments and, and who he thought was best and and, and that, that now appears the case and it, it is interesting because that just shows that, you know, Farad's kind of very business-like stricken, as you'd imagine, as a, as a billionaire businessman. And he does, he's, he's simply shown there's no there's no room for sentiment for him, whereas perhaps in, in years gone by, there might have been, you know, certainly I think in the, in the years when David Moyes left the club and Rafa was touted as a name, that sentiment probably 
perhaps stopping. He says he even get the chance to speak to the club about the role, let alone you know becoming becoming a firm candidate. So it is interesting, and I think it's uh, it's kind of just something that was underplayed a little bit after at the press conference. Not many people kind of got got onto it on social media, but I think if if we ever needed any kind of indication yet that. This was a fire machine appointment. Then, then Benitez's comments confirmed that this afternoon. <clears throat> well, I mean, Rafford said uh, it was not so easy at the beginning because they had to con- consider a lot of options. But little by little, they were convinced I could be an option to have a manager with experience who can win trophies and compete. It was what we were looking for from my side and from their side. So, bees as as Connor's rightly mm-hmm. said, I think it kind of confirms the thoughts that we all. That we all had in the immediate aftermath of his appointment, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that it's well known, isn't it? That many candidates were certainly considered as to how many actually went in and spoke to Mr. Mashiri and representatives of Everton. That that's not going to be disclosed because at one point, didn't it? It looked like a lot of outlets were saying that, that Nuno Espirito Santo was very close to the job, and then that changed. Um, I think at various points. Um, the, the owners of the club were, were, were talking to, to different people and as the you know the, the, the hierarchy at Goodison Park there were probably different ideas and different opinions about who that should have been but as has been said by um, the other gents um, Mashiri this is very much his man and you could also say you wonder with Mr Osmanoff behind the scenes as well how much influence he might have had we know that Mr Mashiri and Mr Osmanoff very close business associates and Mr. Osmanoff's uh, nephews just come onto the board as well today. So how much was was he um, his man as well? I mean, it's, it's very interesting now. Um, I've got a, got a couple of pieces that are coming up for um, the weekend, um, sort of comparing this Rafa Benitez situation to what I believe is the closest historical parallel and uh, Arsenal legend George Graham going to Tottenham Hotspur in the, the, the late 1990s. I speak to... Uh, an Arsenal fan, Tom Watt, and a Tottenham fan, Danny Kelly. And uh, Danny Kelly told me about how um, we, uh, as, as, as football fans and, and as, as, even as football journalists, he's obviously the same as us, he's both. And, you know, he included himself as a fan in this. Maybe view football in a certain way and have a degree of um, sort of uh, um, feeling and affection and passion that the way you would treat, um, you know, members of your family. But whereas people who are actually involved in the business be that players or, in this case, uh, a manager. And he said he includes Benitez in the in what he calls the new breed of super managers. It's just a job and you've got to do what you've got to do. It's a career path. And, you know, with these opportunities come up, you take them. Um, on the one hand, it seems very convenient that this um, prominent job has fallen into a lap on, on his doorstep and geographical geographical um, wise given that you know he's just come off what was obviously a, a difficult stint in China both in terms of his family and um, the, the results out there but yeah there were there were obviously um, various factions pushing in different directions but it, it, it seems um, that, that once those talks progressed it seemed more and more inevitable that the man at the top Mr Mashiri, um saw that um, saw Benitez as his man mm. He's quite regularly mentioning at the start there that Alicia Osmanov's nephew, Sabah Ismailov, and Grant Ingalls, who's the finance director, yeah. and Everton, they have both been uh, appointed to Everton's board. But, Gav, just to just to round off on Rafa's press conference now, I mean, uh, something that's come up in a lot of things that Rafa's said, I think I noticed him saying the phrase, 
in his first interview when he was first appointed. And he said it again today. He said that he wants to walk the walk rather than talk the talk. And I mean, I think he, yeah. he very much realises that, you know, it, in, in the grand scheme of things, what he says in this press, press conference doesn't really matter all that much, does it? I mean, it's it's all about it's all about the results <laughs> come August, really, and into September. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I said that before, didn't I? About Rodriguez, all this type of stuff. It's all fluffy, isn't it? It's it's all the hard stuff is done, you know, out in away from the cameras. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and let's face it, he's got a track record of you know walking the walk, hasn't he? albeit, you know, most successfully a decade ago. Uh, I think if he's going to walk the walk, he'll probably have to resolve some of them issues. You spoke about earlier on about what professionals have said to him has gone wrong previously. So that will be a, that will be interesting to see. But the other thing I'd say about that is, because I'm focusing on that, aren't I, is they've got to hold their hands up, haven't they? Players. You know, you can't just say, oh, it's gone wrong because, oh, such and such didn't happen or, you know, Carlo didn't do this or Marco didn't do that. They've got to, uh, they've got to sort of, they've got to walk the walk, haven't they, as well? Uh, and um, so although I think that Rafa's quite right to focus on that, he's got to, they've got to, it's their side of the bargain that they've got to uh, keep as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the more I think about it since he's been appointed, I think, it makes more sense um, in terms of his attributes uh, as a coach, in terms of meeting the, the, the requirements of the squad. And he spoke about success today, didn't he? And I think, I think it's that attention to detail, his tactical awareness, levels of fitness, all that type of stuff, which was, let's face it, missing a little bit under Ancelotti, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I think um, I think it's exactly what the squad needs. So... Um, yeah. I, the more I think about it, and I said that when he's appointed it, this quest, that's what effectively what he wanted, I would imagine, mm. about when appointing Benitez. So it makes more sense to me now. I've been here today and sort of thought about it in the two or three weeks since he's been appointed. But I think he's eminently capable of, uh, of improvements and, and sort of achieving the things he wanted to. You know, he was, he was talking about today. You know, he can walk the walk for us. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the squad got their first chance to impress Rafa Benitez in in a in a way on a Saturday with a little bit of a surprise friend. Well, surprise for us, I suppose. Uh, friendly uh, against Accrington Stanley at Finch Farm, Everton coming out three nil winners with goals from Tom Cannon, Lewis Gibson, and Anthony Gordon. Uh, two forty minute halves apparently played in that little training exercise at Finch Farm. Uh, Connor, how much do you think Rafa would have been able to take from that? I mean, it, it rounded off his his first week of, of training with the squad, I suppose. So do you think he will have learned much or will it have just been purely for fitness purposes? I think it would have purely been for fitness reasons. I think it, it's, it would have been incredibly hard for him to learn anything from it. Um, 
it was it was obviously good to see Cabanon claim an assist and, and get a run out and maybe he might have learned something there in terms of you know he's actually been able to see what potentially Cabanon can bring to the table. Um, but apart, I think on the whole, I think it was just mainly a fitness exercise, the transfer, you know, the place to, to get a run out and you know. For him to, and for him to maybe see as well some of the you know the the, the talents who've not been around the likes of Anthony Gordon and people like that who obviously spent you know the second half of last season out on loan a chance for him to see them but I think we'll we'll see more I think the the, the second game in in the states and then the Man United one where I think we'll then we'll then kind of see what what, what type of Everton Rafa Benitez is planning on how they're going to line up kind of what formation they're going to play I think I think that the yeah, the, the, the upcoming one in the first game in the States will, be, will probably just be a, a similar kind of run out of the chance of people to get some, you know, minutes in the legs type thing. But I think the, the two friendlies that will be really where you'll be able to judge and see how Rafferty's has plans on taking the 17 forwards will be the, the second game in the, in the US and then the Manchester United one a week before the season. Because I think ultimately it's it's so kind of scratch about when isn't it? There's internationals still away. There's, there's been a couple of lads who've been in quarantine who've been doing their own individual bits. So I think it's so kind of, it's almost, it's hard to judge in terms of, there's, there's, there's going to be players there who feature, you're not featured on Saturday, you imagine will be, you know, should be near the start 11, the first chance to come to the first game of the season. So I think Saturday's game was solely a fitness purpose, but, you know, a win's a win. And it was good to see, like I say, it was good to see Gabbana get some minutes in the legs and claim an assist because hopefully, you know, he could be the, the emerging star of Everton. I know it sounds strange. He's been for the club so long ago, but you know, hopefully, you get a run and become a, a real kind of emerging star, and we, we'll all be kicking ourselves what we've missed out on over the last number, last couple of years. Mm. It's gonna say certainly nice to see Gabamin get some minutes under his belt, bees. But mm. it would have been very nice for a couple of young strikers as well, as I mentioned, Tom Cannon getting himself on the score sheet, opening the scoring in the first half, and Lewis Dobbin also getting on the pitch in the second half for a. For a period of time as well, you know, two two very young lads uh, just making their first steps in the under twenty threes, but given a given a little bit of a taste of senior football, if albeit in a behind closed doors game of Finch Farm, but would have been very nice for the pair of them to play alongside the likes of James Rodriguez and players like that, wouldn't it? Yeah, these are the ones who can really sort of benefit from um, those kind of uh, training games. I mean. Benitez, you know, like I said, he, he's had a spell in China and he's been out in the Premier League for a while, but, you know, he'll have a handle on all the main players. He he knows what James Rodriguez can and can't do. He knows, you know, about your, your Calvert-Lewins and Pickfords of this world. It'll be the, the, these young lads who are, you know, unknown quantities who are sort of the most to gain from these sort of opportunities, not just in playing alongside the, the first teamers and learning from them, but, yeah, under the watchful eye of a new manager, it, it's, a, it's a clean... Sort of sweet for everyone. Um, that a new, a new opportunity, chance to impress the the new gaffer. But like I said, I'm also someone like um, Gabamin. He, he's he's almost in the in the same kind of territory to a certain extent. In that, you know, he's this is someone who's hardly kicked a ball in two years at, at the club. I mean, he just wants to get there to just show he can stay fit. But you know, if he can avoid the injuries, then he's ultimately one of the the. The, the big name players at the club. This was somebody who was brought in at 20, 25 million and was, uh, great things were expected of him. But it just hasn't worked out with that because these chronic injuries he's he's had. If, if, if he can um, show the new manager what he's about, it, it, it's an overused cliche, isn't it? But it, it's almost like a, a new signing because it, it, it's, he's, 
he's virtually done nothing, you know, no fault of his own. He's not deliberately picked up those injuries. He, he'll be hurting more than anyone because of that. But yeah, but whether young or old, these players who did get out there and uh, have Benitez watchful eye under them, yeah, it's, it's, it's a massive opportunity for them. Mm. I mean, one of those one of those interested observers from the sidelines, Gav, was uh, Moise Keane, who returned to Finch Farm after, as Connor rightly says, yeah. his quarantine period after after being abroad and needing to isolate after that. But, you know, his, his future is still very much up in the air, isn't it? And it's still going to be very interesting to see how much of a part he plays in, in Rafa Benitez's pre-season, isn't it? Whether he plays a part in the pre-season, whether he plays a part, part in the season is, a, is the question, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, you would hope he plays a part in the season. He's getting him some fitness. Uh, he's another one, isn't he, really keen as... You know, we've talked, Chris was saying before about having to move people on, you know, that uh, he'd be, he be one of them, wouldn't he? I just the way, the way I'm just thinking the way if you think the way Benitez has set up his teams over the years and, and the sort of strengths that he wants, it's like discipline, isn't it? Hard work, consistency, work, you know, work the team, all that, all, all attributes that you don't necessarily associate with Moise Keane, to be honest with you. you, you not, not, that's not Chris, and that's because I think it's an experience, isn't it, for the start where he plays on the pitch. I think it doesn't strike me as fitting into a, a Benitez lineup. Uh, mm. To be fair, you can see Cavaloon fitting in. You can, mm. you can see probably the, the Charleston fitting in, but Moyes Keane, I'm not sure. And I think if there's an opportunity to sell him, you know, we make a we, though we bought him for a thirty million, we will make a decent profit on him because most of the transfer fee is being accounted for well. Proposed of us being accounted for already, so we can make a profit on them if we sell them and bring cash into the club. Uh, and I think that might sort of, you know, tip the scales. Um, of course, you've got to find somebody wants to buy them, don't you? This is slightly mm. different, you know, leave PSC's of an impasse. Mm. Um, it's another one like Rodriguez, the mute music is, you know, is. Doesn't indicate to me that he's going to be here next season, and that might be for the benefit of everybody else, you know, mm. you know, within the club. I think, I think the other thing you don't, you don't go on loan again, do you? I don't think that no. helps anybody. So, well, I mean, it, I, I think Connor, there's. I think Gab's completely right in what he's saying there, but I think as he quite rightly alluded to as well, there's no there's no real guarantees that Everton are going to get the right sort of cash offer, are they? You know, there's no there's no guarantee that you know there's going to be clubs out there who've got the kind of money uh, that Everton wants to spend on Moise Keane. So if he is if he is to stay at Goodison Park, do you think there is a way that he can work out in Rafa Benitez's system? I mean, when he was on loaner. PSG last season, he wasn't playing through the middle all the time. He did pop up on the right flank, especially towards the latter stages of last season, and he was still performing quite well there. Do you think that might be a possibility at Everton next season? I think anything's, anything's a possibility. I think it seems to be fit. I think he's just got to work hard and show what he says he's willing to learn and adapt and, and, and play the way he wants to play, you know, almost kind of 
swallows pride a little bit and, and do things, you know, maybe come with team play rather than an out and out number nine, build the team around him, I think. But I think what Gav said there, though, about the, in terms of the finances, that to me, that seems the biggest thing from this whole PSG saga. I think it's quite clear that they're kind of pushing for another loan deal with the option to buy next summer, um, which I think Everton would be absolutely, you know, ludicrous to accept because, again, that's just then kind of, it's another year gone on Keane's contract. It's another year where he's kind of, he's temporarily off, off the wage bill. Um, but then there's no guarantee that they'll actually buy, they, they could trigger that next summer. Um, so I think, Ultimately, I think it could be a case of Moise Keane might not have no option but to kind of work hard and show that he's willing to learn and, and, and willing to play under Rafa Benitez because it might be his only, it's the only way he, he'll be playing football next season because, you know, there's there's no, there's no you know, Everton have got no absolute, no reason to bow down to his or PSG's G's demands and, and ultimately back a, a transfer that doesn't, you know, sit, sit well with them and, and one that will leave many fans questioning. The, the transfer approach. So I think for, for Moise Keane, I think it's quite simple. I think he's got to knuckle down and just get on with it and see what comes. I think that he can't sit there and hope that, you know, Everton will just accept what PSG brings to the table and, and he can swan back off to Paris for another season. I, th- I think that's far from the truth. And I think because of that, he, he, he'll have to show that he can work under Rafa Benitez and he can, he can fit into his team because if he doesn't, and, he, you know, Everton are unable to, to do a deal with PSG, but he, again, he's on the outside looking in. He's already been, you know, he's missed out on the chance to win a European Championship medal with Italy already. Um, this summer just gone. So he can't really afford another season where, you know, he's out in the cold. And, and Everton can't afford another season where he, he's out in the cold because at the end of the day, he was a big money transfer. And you, you, you imagine his wages are quite high. Hmm. Well, speaking of the European Championships, I think that neatly brings us on mm-hmm. to the last point of the podcast, Bees. Mm-hmm. We've, we've not seen Jordan Pickford back at Finch Farm because he's been performing admirably for England over the course of the Euros this summer. And unfortunately, it ended in disappointment for him on Sunday, losing on penalties. But his performance in that final was exceptional once again, wasn't it? It kind of highlights the the form that we've been seeing from him, you know, not just for England over the last few weeks, but probably since late January, mid-February, yeah. almost. Yeah, I mean, that was, the pertin- that was the pertinent point, wasn't it? How um seems to be this agenda this narrative throughout the tournament that on the one hand claiming that John Pickford only does well for it for England uh, and then the, um we you know what we've seen from sort of February onwards you know um we were um going through um his, his performances with the match ratings I know you did a lot of those yourself and you know there were nines eights in there I don't think he dropped below six on um the, the last dozen games he started forever. And so that's just not true at all. He went into the tournament in form and he's gone and carried that on. I mean, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Whenever you, Whoever is England number one, and this is the first time Everton have had an England number one, you're, you're going to be under a massive spotlight, aren't you? Everything you do is going to be scrutinised under under the microscope there. And, and it, it, it was the same, wasn't it, in the, in the semi-final when he finally conceded a goal. People saying, oh, well, he should have got to that free kick. I mean, sometimes you just got to say, Amazing hit, and it was the same in the final. Like I said, for a long time, didn't necessarily have a lot to do, but whenever he was called upon, he was excellent, and he made that initial save, for, for, um, which led to the equaliser. I mean, for once, his detractors couldn't actually say, "Well, he pushed it straight back into play." There, I mean, it was it was an incredible save, and yeah, what could he do? Um, Benucci was there to poke it in, and then you're an incredibly unfortunate, aren't you? As any goalkeeper, if you save two penalties in a penalty shootout. 
out of the five and you still end up on the losing side. Um, yeah, he, he couldn't have done any more. And as Evertonians can just hope that it can be a, a massive plus for them. He'll be absolutely gutted, as all the England players will, to have missed out on that. I think Italy were the best team in the tournament, but England are never going to have a better chance to win it than, you know, if you've got all bar one games in your own stadium, you go after you go ahead after two minutes in your own stadium in the final, still end up losing. Well, I know France lost on home turf and then went on to win the World Cup, but I think that's England's best chance to win something. So John's going to be gutted on that point of view, but from an Everton point of view, just going back to being Everton's Jordan Pickford now for a, for a few weeks when he get he gets back, you know, the place where everybody does sort of appreciate him. I mean, Evertonians more know as much as anyone, you know, the, the highs and lows of Jordan Pickford and experience that because he did have a tough side um, time the first half of last season. Managed to turn that around. And yeah, he, he was excellent throughout um, the tournament and hopefully that can be a big plus going into the new season for Everton. Mm. I think Bees is quite right there, Gav, isn't he? I mean, uh, Jordan Pickford can take, you know, while he might be disappointed now, I think he can take an immense amount of pride from his performances over the course of the summer and, you know, in terms of Everton, you know, this is probably the most consistent form we've seen from Pickford since probably his first season at Goodison. He was obviously very good throughout that season. Yeah. But, you know, we're just, we've just got to hope. I mean, I wrote a piece the, a couple of days ago saying that Jordan Pickford can become a real leader at Everton from this point on and perhaps that's the that's the next step that he needs to make, isn't it? I got that impression in the second half of last season that he was a little bit of a leader, to be honest with you, lads. I think uh, mm-hmm. there was a complete change in his demeanour. It's obviously been worked on off the pitch. Um, I think he uh, he looked far more in control. Um, I know he had a few operations during the Euros and a couple of missed kicks against uh, Ukraine and a couple of kicks to Denmark to the opposition. But that was even to the best goalkeepers, to be fair. Uh, yeah, I, I, I fully endorse what Chris was saying. I'd say he was heroic, wasn't he? The final was nearly heroic. Mm. He was heroic in the... In yeah. the I mean, they, 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 I saw a picture yesterday, the freeze frame from... Uh, it was a Georgino penalty. And mm. when he's striking it, he, st- he has moved. Pickford, he's given himself the last, you know, last available opportunity to move. And he's a brilliant save. And, you know, in a, a parallel universe, you know, Saka scores, Pickford takes the next penalty, then scores the, uh, the sixth goal. I mean, <laughs> which reminds me, he should have been one of the five penalty takers, shouldn't he? 100%. You know, I was looking at this penalty in the Nations League, uh, yeah, you see, it was like Harry Maguire's. It was just, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I think uh, yeah, I, the danger with Jordan is, you know, that sometimes things go, things go to his head and he doesn't come back. It's relatively short period of time. It's a month, isn't it, on the back of this, and all of a sudden he's got a little bit of excitable over stuff, you know, so he just needs to keep a level head. I, I've just heard he he's lost all the stone, you know, and... Uh, mm-hmm. I think he definitely looks more agile uh, since he come back. And I know since over the summer, he was, he's getting down shots quite easily. Now we know that going to the court, in one day he struggled, he just looks far more mobile and agile. So I, don't know, I think that's training. But he just looks slimmer and more fitter. Uh, when I went to this to me, mate, my mate's got this theory that if you, if you go your hair on, it makes yourself look, makes look slimmer than therefore everybody else. Have you other part of your body, which uh, I don't know whether that's... Uh, I mean, that's like being a barber this morning, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, he, look, he, he just looks... I don't know about you, he just looks fitter, mm. more agile, no, uh, than what, he, what, what he's done, you know, uh, for a couple of years at Everton. 
I just, I just think he made his last lost half stone. Thought he was exceptional in the tournament. He saved two penalty penalty shootouts and end up on the losing team. It's not many goalies do that, is there? Exactly. Um, and a couple of good saves throughout the tournament. And you know, he'd argue that he was the England's man of the tournament, couldn't he? Really, but still, mm. Um, mm. probably only kept out of the team in the tournament by Donald Rimmer. Uh, hope he said his name properly there, by the way. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, excellent. But he's just got to keep level head, forget about the summer, focus on focus on uh, repeating that form at Evan this year. And, um, you know, if he goes, I'm sure he'll have an exceptional season and, and build on what he's uh, produced in the first six months of this year for club and country. Mm. But, of course, Connor, it wasn't only Jordan Pickford who was involved in the England squad, was it? It was uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was there as well. Only managed to get... 18 minutes, I think it was, across on, on the pitch, across the whole tournament. Didn't come on in the final. Inexplicably to me, I thought he absolutely should have been off the bench. If he was off the bench, I think he should have took a penalty as well. I mean, do you think Calvert-Lewin will feel a certain level of disappointment in that sense, coming coming back to Everton? Yeah, I, I think he will. I think he couldn't have gone into that tournament with any kind of... After the season he's had, the, 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 the season in which he kind of... He kind of turned us all from you know doubters to believers, uh, to, to coin a, a cheesy phrase from across the park. But <laughs> I think um, in terms of his goal scoring runs and his goal scoring form, I think you know everyone going into last season, everyone had concerns that he wasn't an out and out number nine. He wasn't an out and out number nine who could score goals. You know, we quickly kind of rammed all them them thoughts down our throats and, and was an absolute star for Everton. Um, I know we tailed off a little bit towards the end, but I think that had a lot to do, quite frankly, with the fact that the whole team kind of tailed off towards the end and. You know, James wasn't playing, and he wasn't really getting the service. Was he? he? Was he was kind of back to that, you know, fighting, fighting off scraps and having to run the channels and stuff. So, I think he will have a, a massive disappointment because I think there was a not just a final for me though. I think there was a lot of games in that in the tournament where you, you, you think he might just get on here for the last 10, 15 minutes and and look to stretch it and open the game up. And you know, he was constantly overlooked. I think you know the Germany game. You know, he never made the squad, did he? He wasn't in the 23-man squad. He was one of the, mm. the three who, was, who, who had to sit and watch from the stands. So, I, th- I think for me, he, he look back on that summer as a, as a massive missed opportunity for himself personally and one that kind of, one that got away from him, especially in the final, because I think we were we were all sitting there screaming for a bit of fresh legs and a bit of something different up top. And, and I think almost, just to put up to, to, to compete with Benucci and, and Cialini, I think just more than anything, I think you... You would have hoped that he'd have gone on, maybe been able to ruffle, ruffle, ruffle him up a little bit and, and battle because you know England was struggling, weren't they? You know, second half and then certainly in extra time, they, they were struggling really to, to hold the ball up top and and get up the pitch. So yeah, I think it'll be it'll be one that got away from him. I think and the only the only good thing from now is if he can continue his impressive form, which he has done. He's got the perfect chance next year to go go to a World Cup and and, and try and stake a claim and, and and look to move forward. But no, I think it it was one that got away from from. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and I think one that kind of he, he massively disappointed. It probably, it probably mixed emotions for him, isn't it? I think the, the whole experience would have been unbelievable to be be a part of what it was. But for him personally, I think he, he'll have a, a little bit of regret and a little bit of disappointment in the fact that he wasn't able to manage more more game time and and, and show his worth. Mm. Well, fingers crossed he can prove Gareth Southgate promptly wrong uh, throughout the course of next season. But that's all we've got time for today. Thank you chaps for joining us. Uh, We'll be back uh, soon enough to discuss all of 
The latest Everton news as Rafa Benitez continues those pre-season preparations ahead of the 2021-22 campaign. Don't forget you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from and don't forget you can follow the conversation as well on Twitter and Facebook. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.